how to be the best version of yourself. Butterflies have had a huge history at Horizon. In fact, let me take you back 10 years ago. 10 years ago, we were actually on this property, long before there were buildings or video cameras or pews or children's programs, but there was a tent. Before the tent we used for overflow, we set up a tent right here when this dirt was 15 feet below us. We called it Church on the Green. In fact, it was on that day, hundreds of us gathered together and began to pray for this property. We said, God, we want this to be a place of transformation, of metamorphosis. We want the chapel. We want the children's area. We want the atrium. God, we would just ask that you would make it a place that people get transformed to become more loving versions of themselves, more patient versions of themselves, wiser versions of themselves. In fact, it was that day that up on stage as we prayed together over this property that I took some screen from my, uh, from my windows of my house and I duct taped them together in the corners and I put my daughter inside of it. And I said, what we're doing as a church is creating environments where people can change. In fact, the week before, my daughter and I had run all over this property. It was kind of fun, actually. We ran all around for a couple hours and we caught butterflies. And so when I put her in that cage that day, she actually had butterflies flying around her. And we said, what we're doing as a church is creating environments, like that screened-in area I made for her, where people can come in as caterpillars and they would find grace and love and biblical teaching and cultural relevance and deep friendships, and they would begin to transform by the power of God's love to become the best version of themselves. And that's what we're going to get today. We're look at how to create an environment, that cocoon environment of God's love and grace and forgiveness that allows us all to transform into the best version of ourselves. But as you knew, with a, with a butterfly, as you know, they don't start to fly until they make some sacrifices. And that's what the cocoon stage of life is going to require of you. You're going to have to lose a few legs in order to gain some wings. But it's worth it, right? If you were talking to a caterpillar today, you'd say, listen, listen, I know it sounds, oh my goodness, I know it sounds so incredibly hard to lose all those little legs. But you're not going to need those legs when you learn how to soar and fly. I think God might say the same thing to you and I. The cocoon stage is going to require you to sacrifice your caterpillar legs in order to learn how to gain wings and fly and become the best version of you. So today we're in a little letter that Paul wrote to a group of the, called the, the, the Colossians and he's going to tell them two things. What they need to put off and what they need to put on to become transformed into the best version of themselves. What's the first thing they need to put off? Well, they need to put off some habits. They need to put off some, some ways of living that they needed when they were a caterpillar but they don't need now that they're a butterfly. What do I mean? Putting off is the Bible's way of saying there's habits, there's tendencies, there's defense mechanisms that are part of our caterpillar legs that we need to take off now that God is transforming us. What do I mean? Well, he says, now you yourselves are to put off, take off, get rid of some things. Okay, what do I need to get rid of? What do I need to sacrifice? Well, it's not all bad. The things I want you to, to stop doing are put off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language 
out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. In order to understand what Paul's saying here, we really need to understand the main message of the Bible. If you're kind of new to Christianity or kicking the tires on faith, you might say, sounds like religion. Work harder, try harder, don't cuss so much, don't use God's name in vain, I guess whatever blasphemy means, and try not to lie so much. Same old, same old. Well, it sounds that way, but let me push a little deeper. The Bible's gonna say there's a reason we lie. And it's not just try harder not to lie. Figure out why you were lying. The reason you cut people down and created malice or division, there was something going on beneath the surface. See, the main message of the Bible is not that we work hard and make our way up to God. It's instead that God came to us. He died for us. And he died for everything you'd ever do wrong. Past, present, and future. And when you understand that past, present, future forgiveness, you realize that God has already seized you as a fully formed, fully forgiven, fully flying butterfly. God sees you already fully cleansed. Because of that, some of these old habits, rationalizing, justifying, needing to defend yourself, make yourself look better than you are, you can get rid of some of those old habits because they're not needed anymore. You don't need to pretend you don't do things wrong. You've admitted you do things wrong. And because he's already forgiven you, you can own it. Let me give you an example. Let me define these terms maybe in a way you haven't thought of before. Because we're trying to get at the why behind our behavior, not just the behavior. What are these things we're putting off? Well, think of it this way, anger. Why do you get angry? Often how I get angry is because I had to defend myself. Somebody accused me of something. Oh, that's not what happened. That's not what's going on. How dare you? Now, do you feel it's not just the anger. It's the how dare you. It's I had to defend myself. But if I'm fully forgiven, if I've already in God's eye become a butterfly, I can say I don't need to get so angry and defend myself all the time because of everything I've done. Probably did some stuff wrong. Probably why Jesus died for me. And all of a sudden, my anger, my need to defend myself, to pretend to be something I'm not, isn't as important anymore. Wrath. I had to show my importance, right? You turn to somebody and say, I had had to put them in their place. I had to let them know how they had screwed up when I called that guy back, when I talked to that waiter. And it's not just I got a temper problem. I had to show people where they are in the pecking order. That's old caterpillar legs. Instead, I realized... In God's economy, he's made me a butterfly. I'm already important. And no amount of getting angry or not getting angry adds to my importance. That's the why behind your behavior. Let's move from wrath to malice. I tore down other people to feel better about myself. We all do that. Oh, we see it in our kids, but we still do it. The reason we gossip, somebody says something bad about us, I get on the phone call, can you believe so-and-so said such-and-such about me? Make me feel better about myself. Look how terrible they are, are gossiping about me, and now I'm gossiping about them. I can put off that old behavior because I don't need to tear other people down to feel better about myself. I'm a butterfly in God's eyes. 
blasphemy. Blasphemy is claiming to be God. I worry because I think I can control the world better than God can. I I hold a grudge because I want to judge people better than God would. Blasphemy is I think I know better than God. But when you realize that God forgave you, he's ruling the universe, I don't know better than God. And I can admit, God, sorry for thinking I could rule my life. Thank you, I knew better than you how to rule my life. And I'm gonna put off that old thinking because I've gone down some paths I thought were better and they led to destruction. All right, a couple more. Filthy language. Why did you lose your temple? Why'd you cuss somebody out? It's not just work on your language. It's didn't you really use that language to get control in that situation so people knew you were in control or that you were mad or they shouldn't treat you that way? Underneath the language choices is a control issue. I gotta be in control. And when I'm not, I lose my temper. I begin to recognize God's in control. I'm not. And lastly, why do we lie? We're always lying to protect something. Right? Every time I've lied or fudged the truth or, 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 or turned a story, it's to make me look better. So I'm protecting my reputation, protecting what really happened, protecting my real motives. But if I'm truly a butterfly before God, I can stop lying about things and fudging things and making myself look better than I am. Why? Because I'm already a butterfly in his eyes. Therefore, I can put off the old man, put off those old caterpillar behaviors that have put me where I am. Reminds me, several years ago, I was going to a place called Callaway Gardens. Callaway Gardens is this huge butterfly center. Maybe you've been to the conservatory here in Cincinnati. Just incredible. You're walking around, there's butterflies flying everywhere, landing on your arm, landing on your nose. Well, this was a similar place down in Georgia. And we just loved as a family going to the butterfly house. So we'd probably go, I don't know, four or five times a summer and just enjoy the environment with the butterflies. Well, one day when I was at Callaway Gardens, a business guy was there. And he started chatting with me. And he told me that he had run a very, very successful golf club line. In fact, not just a golf club, he had designed a new type of ball. And Callaway Gardens also had a huge area for golf there, and it was very, very big. People traveled from all over the world to play golf. Well, we struck up a conversation, and he began to attend our church. As we're chatting, he said, Chad, I've had success. I've had financial success. I've had career success. But there's something still missing in my life. I said, well, what? What do you think that might be? He said, well, I don't know. I'm going to church. I'm thinking it might be God. And what he was realizing is that some of the tendencies that allowed him to be ambitious and fight hard and become successful was in his marriage and in his family, those same tendencies were causing division and causing tension. He was having to come face to face that he had some habits, some selfishness, some self-centeredness, some impatience, some unkindness that was taking something he cared deeply about, his marriage, and it was crumbling before him. So we're chatting one day after a, a seminar that we did after a service, and he began to talk about how he was increasingly becoming aware of the environment of God's grace or unconditional acceptance at the church. He said, I'm starting to realize that I don't have to pretend to be religious. I don't have to pretend I've got my act together. 
that you actually want me to bring out my bad stuff because everybody sees me as successful and got my act together. But I can start admitting I don't have my act together because God will accept me where I am. It's when I bring my stuff, my junk, my old bad habits, those caterpillar legs, he didn't use that term, into God's presence, that's when I begin to change. And he did. In fact, he brought in several times those golf balls just to show me what was so unique about the thing he designed and how well it had done. He said, you know, this has been my success. I've lived for this. But now I'm going to start living for God. I still remember him handing me that set of three golf balls that had his name and his company on it. I kept those for many, many years as a reminder that somebody who had lived in the environments of success and money was now finding a new type of environment environment of grace and love and truth. Over the next couple years, I saw him transform. He became the butterfly God saw him to be. He accepted Christ's forgiveness, and then he began to live it out by putting aside and putting off those old habits. So first, we put off those old caterpillar legs. We sacrifice the things we once needed because we're putting on the new identities, the new new habits that we have as that butterfly God created us to be. And that's why understanding the main message of the Bible is absolutely critical here. We don't transform ourselves into a butterfly. The caterpillar comes into the cocoon. Because of how God designed it, the things God put in place, it's in that cocoon a metamorphosis, a change occurs. When you understand what God does in you and how he sees you fully forgiven through Jesus, It's knowing what he did for you that you're able to begin to walk out that new identity. To live out the truth of your new identity. I don't feel like I'm soaring. I don't feel like I'm perfect before God. I don't feel like a saint. I don't feel holy, right? We still remember all the things we do wrong. But God's saying, I want you to live consistent with how I see you. Live out this new identity. Live a fully forgiven life. Live a life of peace. Live a life knowing you're fully accepted by God. How do we live out that truth? We put on some things. We put on these new butterfly behaviors. What does a butterfly behavior look like? Well, two things. First, the cocoon offers new truths and knowledge to renew us. There's some new things we need to learn so we don't keep practicing the old caterpillar leg habits. What's the first one? Paul says, put on, after you put off those things, every day put on, and and the verb here is something you do daily. Every day you get up, just like you put on your socks, put on your shirt, you put on these behaviors. Put on the new man. Remind yourself the new person, the new identity, the new way God sees you. Remind you every day how he sees you. Who is renewed. This new identity is renewed or metamorphosized or is changed in the knowledge. You got to think to do this. You got to engage your brain to do this. In the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Now the word knowledge here in Greek is Not just like head knowledge, like, oh, I can answer uh, trivial pursuit questions. It's actually experiential knowledge. What does it mean to experience the reality that I'm forgiven? To experience the reality 
that God has been so patient with me. He's taken all the things I've done wrong and forgiven them. And because of that, I can take whatever's been done to me and forgive them. God's been so patient, so patient with me. So when I get to irritate other people, I remember how patient he was with me. And now I can start being patient with others. Living consistent in my new butterfly behavior. Doing unto others what he's done unto me. So it's this mature knowledge. You need to mature in the knowledge of what God's done for you and what he wants to do in you. That's the idea here. Now the second thing he mentions is that this transformation of knowledge, thinking new thoughts, reminding your feelings when they feel one way, I feel like God's against me. I renew that thought with God is for me. This situation feels hopeless. I renew that thought with with God nothing is hopeless. And then I put myself in that cocoon environment, that place where I can be transformed. Notice how he mentions the place here. The place where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And you read that and you're like, huh. Did that mean something to you, Chad? Because that looked like Greek to me. Let me get at what he's saying by defining a few of these words. When he's referencing the Jewishness there, he's saying your identity is no longer your race. You don't say I'm important because I am this race or I am not that race. Your your identity doesn't come from your race anymore. Two, circumcised. You see, if you were Jewish, you got circumcised. If you were Gentile, you didn't. And so in that culture, people would find their worth based on their race or their religion. Well, because of that, you either felt like I'm not in the in club because I'm not religious or I'm not of the right race. I'm not a Gentile. I'm not a Roman. Or you felt like you were self-righteous. I'm religious and you're not. You looked down on other people because you found your identity in your Bible knowledge, in your religious knowledge. He says, this main message of the Bible humbles you. Your race doesn't make you more or less forgivable. Your religion doesn't make you more or less forgivable. Third thing, he says, the barbarian. The barbarians were the, the term that the Romans used to talk to people who came from a certain place and a certain culture. Your culture doesn't define you. Your location, the neighborhood you live in, the size of the house you live in, the car you live in, all these important things no longer define you. Your slave. See, in that culture, in the Roman culture, there was a caste system and your value was determined by where you were in the pecking order. And what Paul's getting at here is all these things are caterpillar behavior. You used to find your identity in your race, in your religion, in your location, in your economics. But whether you're rich or poor, wherever you lived, whatever you've done, Everyone was equally in need of God's forgiveness and equally exalted into a butterfly if they accepted the gift of God. And that's why he says Christ is all and in all. It's a transformational identity. Now what does that look like? Well, think of it this way. It's almost like, have you ever met people who've served in war together? I have. I've had many, many friends who served in Vietnam. Many, many friends who went to Desert Storm. And when they arrived in boot camp, they had a lot of differences. Personality differences, 
racial differences, political differences, whatever. But when they started to fight for one another, when they were put in battle with one another, when they had to protect one another, when as they were dialoguing together, they found themselves literally fighting or risking their life for someone else. What happened? All of a sudden, all these other important things subordinated themselves to their bond as military men, as people who had fought in battle. It became the most important bonding agent in their life. They still may agree or disagree on politics. They still may have certain opinions on racial issues. They may disagree on religion. But there is this bond of being in the trenches, right? That's the idea we get at with the grace of God. When you realize that you have died, if it wasn't for Jesus, everyone would have died in their own wrongdoing. Our caterpillar behavior wasn't going to cut it. So every one of us was in trouble. So we all get humbled. Whether you have money or don't have money. Middle class, upper class, lower class, or no class. We all equally were facing the penalty of the consequence of our actions. And in Christ, we're all equally elevated to butterfly status. Fully forgiven. Fully victorious. And in the same way... When you become a Christian, that becomes the most important thing in your life. Whether you grew up studying the Bible or never read the Bible. Whether you grew up and you lived in a certain location or different location. Right? It certainly affects how we see things, the socioeconomics. But those things are so far subordinated to the fact that the most important thing in your life and your identity is that God died for you and calls you his son and daughter. And that's why the message of the Bible is so unifying. It brings people together. It doesn't divide them apart. So putting on these behaviors, these butterfly behaviors, begins with the where. And the where is what I just described. It's where Christ is all and Christ is in all. So we put off those old behaviors and we put on the new behaviors. Now to do that, it always requires a sacrifice. Well, again, look what Paul's saying here. Paul is saying that you have a new identity. Right after talking about putting off and putting on, he says, therefore, here's what I want you to get. Here's what the gift of the Bible, the gift of grace from God is. You are the elect. You've been chosen by God. You are holy, wholly accepted, wholly forgiven, wholly acceptable to God. That's what the word word holy means. You might think, no, no, there's holy people, but I'm not a holy person. No, no, no. If you accept the message of the Bible, you are holy and beloved by God, not based on what you did, but based on what Jesus did. And understanding that identity transforms your behavior. Remember I mentioned you have to put on these butterfly behaviors So you're going to sacrifice one behavior, anger, malice, good riddance, right? And put on butterfly behaviors. What are they? He lists them out here. When you get that you're holy and beloved, you can start living differently. Here's what he mentions. So put on tender mercy. Be tender to others rather than being harsh. Be merciful. Don't give people what they deserve. Give them better than they deserve. 
Why? Because remember, God didn't give you what you deserved. So even though you know that enemy, that person deserves this, you're going to let it go the same way God let it go for you. Kindness, humility. Every day, put on, like you're putting on your pants or putting on your shoes, put on meekness, long-suffering, which means patience. Bear with one another because God bared with you. Forgive one another because God forgave you. If anyone has a complaint against you, ticked off at you, frustrates you, what should you do? Even as Christ forgave you, see the connection here? You also must forgive them. And in all these things, the main thing I want you to put on is put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You are holy and beloved when you accept the gift of forgiveness from God. And it's so much better than trying hard. It's so much better than religion, where I do a few religious activities and I have a good day and I've got a bad day. I've got a good week, I've got a bad week. What the gospel or good news is offering is something far better. Soaring over the heights of religion is this idea that you are a butterfly, holy and beloved by God. It's in that environment of what he's done, every day you put on these new butterfly behaviors. Now, the journey into this, as I mentioned beginning, is going to require sacrifice. Think about those two lists I gave you. The list of the caterpillar, the bad ones, and the list of the butterfly, the good ones. I want you to pick one. Pick one you need to take off. Pick a leg, right? One of those caterpillar legs. Pick one of those legs you got to put off and pick one of these new patterns you need to put on every day. What's one of those areas you'd like to see God transform in you? Let's pick one. And what's that thing every day that if you knew you were forgiven and if you knew that you were fully loved, what's a new pattern that you want to every day have God put on or put in place in your life? Think about that. Think about that in my life. In fact, it goes back to reminding me of this property. I told you butterflies were a huge part of what we did and what we prayed about in the early days. Was that that church on the green that we handed people a piece of paper. It looked like this, there were different colors. There were green ones and yellow ones and red ones. As people came up under that tent, we looked at the first one and said, God is making a cocoon, an environment in your life and with this church. It was a golf course at the time, but everyone was holding this little piece of paper held like this and said, we want this place to be a cocoon where people can experience God's love and grace and hope. And then everybody would unfold it and say, we want people in this place to know God's love. Right? If you could know you are holy and beloved, it's that cocoon, it's that environment that would transform you. That would allow you to forgive better and be more patient. As we all held that heart together that day, there was no building all the dirt here was still 12 feet down. We had 210,000 cubic yards of dirt moved onto this property. This was before those days. We all took these different colored butterflies and then we opened them up again. We said, God, I want you to transform me 
and I want you to transform my friends. And so that day, we wrote down areas of our life we want God to grow us, and we wrote names of neighbors and friends we wanted to one day come into the environment here when we had a building who would feel and be transformed by the love of God. In fact, I wrote two names down of some neighbors of mine, people who weren't really churchgoers I didn't imagine would ever come to our church. But I wrote their names on butterflies that day. We had these big balloons. Right here in this area was a big balloon that marked where the chapel would go. There was another one down the way that marked where the student ministry would go. Another one marked where the children's ministry would be. And everyone gathered around those big balloons, three-foot balloons, and they took their butterflies with the names they wrote and the habits they spoke of. We pushed a golf tee through it. We marked all over this property areas and people we hoped would come and be transformed in this place. And if you were there that day, and if you weren't, we'll put the pictures up so you can see them. This whole property was filled with paper butterflies. It was after that that 210,000 cubic yards of dirt came by and were dumped on top of the butterflies. And so the butterflies here are deep underneath the floor, deep underneath the dirt. And they're the names of people and habits we prayed about. And God answered those prayers. In fact, over the last 10 years, two of the friends, both friends that I wrote right here underneath this area that I prayed God would bring to this place, they've been here. I've seen one of them be transformed in his search for meaning and hope, still searching, not there yet, but began the journey because he felt loved and cared for by how we as a church met him during a family crisis and he and his family came to our services. I had another friend who went through a very, very difficult time, a health crisis, a marriage crisis, and he found hope here. He found renewal here. That's what we're about as a church. Is it a sacrifice to get rid of your caterpillar legs? Kind of. But the reason we sacrifice, we give of our time. The reason people plan for children's lessons, the reason people greet, the reason they help people park, the reason people write big checks, the reason people serve and, and serve up on our stage is because we want people to know the environment of the cocoon. We want you to know not just religion. No, God's against religion. We want you to know about the grace of God. Horizon has always been about comfortably connecting people to God through the Bible and a community of growing Christ followers. And maybe today you've been to Horizon a lot, but you've never understood that he could transform you into a butterfly and you could be seen fully forgiven by him. I ask that today would be the day. Maybe you want to download off the website one of these butterflies. You can go to the link that we have available, download that. Maybe you just want to write down that one area you want to sacrifice, the one new pattern you want to understand that God's done for you, and put that maybe on your mirror. Maybe you want to put it someplace that you see it every day. So every day you're reminded when you see this butterfly to put on the grace and forgiveness of God. Can I pray for you right now that God would do that? Why don't you pray with me? Father, thank you for the incredible message of grace that Jesus came and died for us to fully forgive us and to make us holy. May each person listening today be committed to living out that transformation or metamorphosis in their life because of what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.